I mean, oh, God can pull and call anybody from anywhere to do the most extraordinary things, ordinary people. And we believe and have been believing for a long time that God can use Oak Grove Assembly of God to start a revival, a spark, something, anything. Somebody shout something. There you go. Anything can happen if you're willing and able. We've been in a series on revival. This is lessons number six. And one of the things that as a pastor, it's our responsibility to do is prepare the body, prepare the body personally and corporately for revival. And so we've been talking about this a lot. And uh, and today we just want to ask you, uh, are you aware that God can awaken us? He can help us. He can stir us in prayer. He can awaken us. He can awaken us in fellowship. When the body of Christ comes together, we are. I know there may not be many today because of the sicknesses going around, but they are online and and they are actually around the world. Oak Grove, if you want to see Oak Grove, you have to go further than 1320 South Oak Grove Avenue. They're around the world. So we praise God for everybody who's part of our family. We're growing together, growing with expectation. And I sense that you've been praying and believing for God not to only do something personally in your life, but also as a church in our own community. So that's what we're preparing for. Revelation 2, 4, and 5. I'm not going to keep you long today. At least I... I hope I don't keep you long. You never know what happens. Uh, if it gets quiet, I preach longer. So there we go. I knew that would happen. Somebody starts shouting. Revelation 2, 4, and 5. But I, who is I? It's Jesus, right? Jesus says, I have this charge against you. I have something against you. This is the church at Ephesus. There are seven churches in Asia Minor. Jesus is writing a letter to the church at Ephesus. I have this charge against you that you have left your first love. You've lost the depths of love that you first had for me. You didn't lose their love. They left it. They had love. They just left it behind. I mean, if you leave something, you can go back and get it. To be revived is to be vived again, to live again. I mean, a revival, renewal is something you can get if you left it. I mean, you can go get it. Amen. So you left it. Uh, you've lost your depths of love that you had. So remember, verse 5, the heights from which you have fallen and repent. Change your inner self, your old way of thinking, your mind and your heart, your sinful behavior. And then seek God's will and do the works you did at first when you first knew me. How many remember when you first got saved? Let me see your hand. You remember when you first got saved? You remember how I just, uh, being home this past week at my home church, it just stirred my heart. You know, I just I just had so many memories and floods of memories. The little ladies that were helping us in the kitchen fix breakfast every morning. Uh, I went to the breakfast first morning and I said, Sister Sally. And she said, Brother Ronnie, you remember me? You know, I was like, yeah, I'm young. You're the one that's older. And then Sister Phyllis and said, I can't believe you. I said, how are your kids doing? How's Tobin? How's Heather? You remember my kids too? You got to remember it's at least 20 years or more since I've been home. And so they were blown away that I remembered them. But I never lost them. I never left them. How many know I have a love for them that I've always had? How many love your your home church? You can't never replace your home where you got saved. All those memories, it's a beautiful thing. And so it was amazing to come back. And then uh, this is the warning, okay, from the Lord, the end of it. If you do, if you do not repent, I will visit you and remove your lampstand, the church, its impact, 
its influence, from its place, unless you repent. So I don't want to get too heavy here. I don't want to bring a heavy message because the rest of that is good. How many know if you do repent? How many know repentance leads to revival every time? If you do humble yourself, if you do pray, if you do turn around and seek God's face and turn from your wicked ways, how many know you can have a renewal in the Lord? It's open and optional for you. You can have whatever you want. That's the scriptures today. So revival is coming, and it's our goal to prep you. I'm not here to pump you up. I'm not here to prop you up. Uh, I'm here to prep you for what's coming in your life spiritually. So are we ready? Uh, do we, uh, how do we prepare our hearts for revival? That's the quick message I want to give you today. Number one, pay attention. P, prep, pay attention. Quick acrostic. It's not going to be tough today. But um, Jesus says to the church at Ephesus, hey, I have this great thing against you. You have abandoned the love you had when we first were together. It happens. We get occupied, preoccupied. In other words, pay attention is the first thing in preparing for revival or renewal. Pay attention. You got to look at your relationship. Watch that relationship. What happened? What happened during the time between the time where you were passionately sold out in love with Jesus? How many know we have to stay in love with Jesus? It is possible to, to wane in your relationship. It is possible after you started out good to end up in a, ba- in a bad place. It is possible. We believe people can backslide. I remember Christy was just six or seven years old. She said, Daddy, we're having a revival. She said, Daddy, if people can backslide, is it true that people can also upslide? How I many know you can repent and come back to God? You can get things right. If you're at home right now and you're in a a backslidden condition or looking somewhere around the world, you can find the Lord. Come on, church. You can find the Lord. You can get back to where you were. You can even have a better relationship than it was before. But you have to humble yourself. You have to repent. You have to pay attention. And you have to see what's going on. Charles Finney, the great revivalist we talked about last time, uh, he said, revival is a renewal of the first love experience resulting in transformation. It's a new beginning of obedience to God. It's going back and doing what you did then to get what you had then. See, today we're expecting to have what we had then, but we're not doing what we did then. Remember uh, that revival is uh, is passion and love for Jesus. Without the desire for God's love, you'll never see Revival to love again, you must get back to God. So pay attention, he says. There's a general, uh, gradual process of losing your love. I don't think people backslide overnight. Honestly, I don't think people backslide overnight. I think they're the enemy puts obstacles in our way. He tries to put pride in our way, right? That's an enemy of revival. How many know pride is an enemy of revival? And losing your love, your relationship, you know, if somebody. You can tell when somebody loses uh, their relationship. You can start seeing a divide. You can start seeing a separation, right? You can see that. It's awful. And, and, and it can be restored, but you have to go back to the way it was in the beginning. You have to go back and renew that. It's amazing when girls, boys start dating. I mean, they can't hardly even find any flaws whatsoever in their, in their little friend, their new girlfriend or boyfriend. And when they come into me for premarital counseling, they are just like, oh, man, oblivious to any fault. And so I'll say, uh, first thing I say, give me three things 
<laughs> Give me three things uh, that you would um, change about your person you're about to marry. And they can't, for the life of them, think of one. They can't think of one thing they'd like to change. Max Taylor just, and so she blinks and says, oh, he's the greatest thing. And he, he looks at the pastor, oh, she's an angel. She's perfect. I don't know if there's anything to change. I mean, no, they're both lying. They're both lying. Or either that or our love is blind, right? They have no idea about what they're about to get into. So we got to have a reality check. And it happens. It happens if we're not honest. If we're not paying attention to our relationship, it happens to the best of us. So we have to pay attention. Love is the first ingredient, right? Your first step is to pay attention to your relationship with God and make certain you don't abandon your first love. Is anybody getting this? Okay, so it presupposes that the church is backslidden. Revival is a new beginning. Love is the first thing. Without the desire for God's love, you'll never see revival. To love again, you must... Get back to the basics. So pay attention. Uh, uh, first, you lose your patience. How many ever lost your patience? Satan's ultimately going after your love. So first, you lose your patience. Maybe you're not as good to each other, right? Gentleness wanes quickly. Uh, self-control, man, that's a big one that goes. Has anybody ever heard of the fruit of the Spirit? So the Spirit is love is one that produces all that fruit. So ultimately, the first is love. So that's it, right? Without love, you have nothing, Paul said. But there's uh, there's uh, eight other fruit that that wane, that come on down, come on down. Then you lose your 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 patience, you lose your joy, you lose your joy. You say, I'm not in love anymore, right? So I'm not in love anymore. So you lose your joy, you lose your peace, and ultimately, he's going after your love. He's going after your love. What would make a person say God doesn't love them? Trials, tribulations, hardships. If God loved me, Brother Ron, why am I going through all of this that I'm going through? See that? I mean, no, the devil is a liar. He's after your relationship. He's after your relationship. He's after your love for God and for each other. And so you got to get back to the love of God. Pay attention to your love as you begin to lose it. Then your joy, then your peace, and ultimately you lose your joy. Your faith can dwindle. So get your heart right. Pay attention. Get your heart ready. Look inside and see if you are in a fresh love relationship with Jesus. How many know we need an up-to-date relationship? Religion is something you carry on. You don't even know you lost it. But if you have a relationship, you can tell whether you're a 10 with God or a 1 with God. Right? And that's why I ask people. I don't ask people where they go to church. It doesn't matter where they go to church. I mean, a lot of people go to church today. That don't even have a relationship with Jesus. So now when I do evangelism, I ask them, hey, on a scale of one to ten, how close do you feel like you are to Jesus? A ten or a two? And guess what everybody usually says? Five. Right up the middle. I'm about a five. My relationship's about a five. How many know they're lying? What they're saying is I'm teeter tottering somewhere between a, a, a two <laughs> and a three. But they don't want to admit it. You have to humble yourself. How many know pride will keep you from even getting saved and are renewed? You have to start in your brain, your mind, your heart has to be renewed. You have to start thinking right before you start acting right. Right? Right. So pay attention. Number two, basically, is simple. Remember. P-R. Remember. Remember how far you've fallen. 
That's what he's saying. Jesus said, hey, you got to recall some things. You got to look back and see, man, look how far you've come. If you, you were once a 10, the student's just getting back from camp. You're not here today, but listen to me. You get on fire for God at camp and come back here. You're a 10 right now. Stay a 10. Come on, church. Stay a 10. Don't go back down to a two. Stay a 10. Be the one who's fired up all the time, not just at these occasional conferences. Stay a 10. Stay in love with Jesus. I wish I had an amen here. Stay in love with Jesus. That's revival. So you, you got to remember how far you've fallen. Few things can cure a backslider than to recall or remember its present and former condition. Number one is no sinner comes to salvation until they realize they are sinners in need of a Savior. I mean, how are you even going to get saved in the first place if you don't realize it? And the Holy Spirit is convicting. Can I ask you, folks, how many thinks that the Holy Spirit is still doing his job? He's still convicting. He's still, he's still wooing and calling and, and asking. He's still knocking at the door. It's up to us to open the door, right? So it's not the Holy Spirit's problem. It's our reception problem. So we, we have to make sure that we're, we're listening to the Holy Spirit, paying attention and then realizing that the prodigal son could never have been restored until he came to his right mind. He would have never been saved out of the hog pen till he came to his right mind and went back to the father's house. But what happened was, sitting in the mud with the hogs, he began to say, man, I've got it far better off at the father's house of blessing than I have over here in this hog pen. I mean, that's contemplation. That's understanding. That's saying, I need to probably get things back to where they used to be. And he got up and he headed back. Same thing he had to do when he left the father's house. He made up his mind. He's going to take his inheritance, and I've had enough. I don't need this. And he squandered all of his inheritance in the world. That's what happens. It happens to the best of us. He was in the father's house. Now he's in the hog pen. But in the hog pen, he realizes he had it better off over there. He said, the slaves have it better off at my father's house than I do right now. So he's using common sense. He's reasoning. Remember what the Bible says? God says, come. Let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as wool. How many remember that? God wants you to think about it. He wants you to think it through. And the Holy Spirit's talking to you, convicting you, wanting you, pressing you, wooing you, calling you to get things right again. So the prodigal goes back. And instead of saying, you know, I I can't be your son. I'm not worthy to be your son. Uh, I'll be your slave. At least it's better than where I was. Father said, no way. What did the father do? He opened his arms, accepted him, embraced him, said, kill the fatted calf, just like they did in last last week in Louisiana. They killed the fatted calf. I'm telling you why we ate good. We ate gumbo and jambalaya and anything else. All the things that they'll have in heaven at the marriage supper. We had a great time. It was a big reunion, like a family reunion for me. And it was just an amazing, amazing time. And Mr. Jerry went home last week. They gave him everything. He he was uh, full. I think he gained the weight even. And uh, if he didn't, I gained the weight he should have gained. But at any rate, the Lord put a ring on his finger, shoes on his feet. He got his robe, uh, right? And, and his robe of righteousness, which comes from the Lord. Nothing he did. It's everything he did. It's nothing the prodigal did. It's everything the father did. How many know the father wants you to come home today? The father wants you to come home today. Remember how far you've gone. 
remember that was his present condition, but he remembered his former condition, the days in the father's house and the father's presence at the father's blessing. Do you want your present chains to be broken? Here's a good question. If you're at home today, listen to me. Do you want to come out of drugs and alcohol? Do you want the chains to be broken? Do you want your mind to have peace? I mean, anybody with a right mind wants a good, clear conscience. They want to be right with God. I don't know if I've ever met an addict that didn't want freedom. Or a sinner that didn't want peace. They want what we all want. But it's blocked. It's It's blocked. And we need to break that in the name of Jesus. How many believe he can do it? We can overcome. Amen. By the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So I want us to help us prepare and get rid of the junk we allow in our life. Mr. Good time to shout right there. Cleanse your heart and mind. Run to Jesus. And sometimes it is that people have to hit rock bottom. They just have to hit rock bottom. 95% of all people who come into the kingdom of God come by adverse circumstance. They're sick, lost all their money, lost their job, lost their spouse. Something happened. Something happened. They're grieving. They're broken. They're low. 95%. Most all of us came into the kingdom because we needed to. And it seems this, this is what it seems like. As soon as we get back on our feet, we don't need the Lord anymore. Then we leave him. We leave our first love. Till we need him again, we go back and call it. Isn't that the way it is? It's a vicious cycle, but that's the way it is. You don't have to say amen. It's still true. So so sometimes you have to hit rock bottom before you begin to realize how far they had fallen. Yes, we can only do this if, one, we're paying attention, and, two, we remember how far we've fallen, right? And number three, we, we, number, uh, three, we need to express sorrow. He said repent. Express sorrow. Repent. It means to not just say words at an altar. It means to actually turn around, change your thinking. Before you can ever change your behavior, you have to change your thinking. Renew your mind. Change the way you think. Change the way you live. Right? Bad thinking, bad living. I said stinking thinking, stinking living. That's the way it is. Battlefields in your mind, and and the enemy always is there. So Revelation 2.5 says repent. Otherwise, Otherwise, if you don't, Are y'all ready for this? I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. It takes it takes a humble heart. You can't repent genuinely without sorrow. There's a lot of people coming and saying a few words at the altar. No tears are shed. No remorse in their heart. They walk up from that altar, go right back out the door, live the same way they did before they prayed the prayer. How I many know saying words without meanings? Remember Romans 10, 9 and 10? You confess with your mouth and what? Believe in your heart. Believe it in your heart, right? So when it gets to the heart matter, it'll break you. When you realize how far you've fallen, when you, when you pay attention to the Lord, when you remember how far you've come from the Lord, then you get down and you repent. How I many know oh, you should have sorrow? You should have expression. There's brokenness here. You don't celebrate your brokenness. Some churches are celebrating people. You, you can sin or you can not sin. You're still part of the body. Listen, how I many know oh, you gotta be saved to be part of the kingdom of God? Just because you go to church doesn't make you a believer. So we got a real crazy world out there taking people and, and deceiving them into believing that they're born again, but they never even really repented. They didn't change their way. Repentance means turning away from, 
turning away from sin and grabbing a hold of God. So, so you got to let go of Satan and grab a hold of Jesus. You can't have Satan and Jesus at the same time. I mean, no, that's straddling the fence. That's lukewarm and he'll throw you up out of his mouth. Or is anybody hearing me today? You got to let go of the world and grab a hold of Jesus. Laying hold of eternal life. Let go of the world and grab a hold of the Lord. Is anybody hearing me? Do I need to say it again? Repentance is a turning away from and a grabbing hold. So what happens a lot of times is people do want to sincerely turn away. They know there's nothing in the world good for them. So let it go. But then they stay neutral. And the church is maybe leadership or whoever is not discipling them to tell them how good God is. Taste and see that the Lord is good. He's better than that. I mean, no, Jesus is better than the world. So we got to give them Jesus and let them lay hold of it. Teach them how to love Jesus. Show them how to love Jesus. And then they'll lay hold of Jesus. I mean, no, you got a hold of Jesus. You ain't worried about the world. How many's ever been to a Golden Corral when you wasn't hungry? Come on now. I do not like to go eat at Golden Corral when I'm not hungry. I like to go to Corral, Golden Corral, when I'm hungry. Y'all looking at me like you don't understand. If you're going to pay $85 for a little buffet, you better be hungry. My goodness. Ain't nothing on that thing worth that much. They think it is, though. But we got to feel the need, right? You can't repent without sorrow. You never change if you never feel it. Feeling the need to change because we offend God by our sin. You're really grieving the heart of God. Sin separates us. God's heart is grieved when you're not as close as you ought to be. That's why we should pay attention to the words of Jesus this morning. He said, pay attention. I've got this against you. Remember, he said, remember how far away you've fallen and repent. Come back. He's calling us. He's knocking at the door. Revelation 3 and 20. Right. He's saying, I need you. I want you to come back. So Jesus warns us that he will remove the lampstand from his place if they don't repent. Revival requires repentance and involves change. So in Revelation 120, the seven stars or the seven messengers, pastors to the seven churches, while the seven lampstands represent the seven churches themselves. So each church is represented by a lampstand, and this is the source of light in the holy place. Are you hearing me? You, the church, are the source of light in this dark world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. How many remember that, Matthew? I am the light of the world. Then he said, you are the light of the world. So we are the light of the world because Jesus is in us. The church is light and the lampstand because we are a light to this present world. And he said, if you don't repent, if you don't get back to me, if you don't restore our relationship, if you don't get back and you renew your mind and your heart and protect it, prepare yourself. If you don't get back to me, I'm going to take your lampstand. So I'm going to take that light. I'm going to take that influence. I'm going to take. If you don't really mean it, if you don't feel like you've even grieved me, you're not even going to repent. You're not even going to cry a tear. I mean, no, back in the day when I got saved, I was, I knew I was a scoundrel. You saying you knew I was too. How many remember that when you got saved, you knew you needed to be saved. You wouldn't be sitting here today if you didn't know you needed God. You needed God and you prayed through. You cried and you prayed at the altar. 
Hopefully, you meant it. You broke the heart of God. Sin separated you. And the only way to restore is to forgive, get forgiveness. Otherwise, he says, I am the light. I'm, I'm walking among the lampstands. And it suggests that he is the source of that light. The church sheds abroad to illuminate Jesus and bring glory to God. So if you don't repent, you forfeit the right to shed the light of Jesus to the world. Now, that's an awful thing. You can still be a church and not have any influence. You can still be a church, not have any light. What you've done now is become a religious organization that has no relationship with the Lord, no influence to people who really need it. No light is shining for the Holy Spirit has been shed abroad in our hearts, right? The love of God, listen to me, Romans 5, the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit so that men can see your good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. You are the lampstand. We are, and we are the light to this congregation, to this place, to this city. So so we got to understand Jesus uh, needs us to shine. If you don't repent, you forfeit that right. So we as a church, uh, we shine forth declaring Jesus to the world. If we don't repent of sin, we become barren and unfruitful. Barren and unfruitful. I don't know about you, but there's nothing in my heart I want more than to be a soul-saving station. How many want God to find, uh, help us find souls that are lost? I mean, you know when you're when you're fallen, you know how far you've fallen if the church loses their passion and their compassion for the lost. If we if we have just an indifference in our attitude about whether people get saved or not, I mean, oh, we can tell how far we've gone. Got to remember. And so we're paying attention. Right. Uh, and and um, we're become unfruitful in the knowledge of Jesus. Our witness of his knowledge gets removed. Our influence is taken away. And I'm not trying to prime you, pump you or prop you up. I'm trying to prep you. For revival. It's got to have a passion for the Lord. So once you pay attention and remember how far away from God you've drifted, a true believer will repent or express sorrow, weeping, mourning, grieving how they treated the Lord. And that's when revival happens. Tears begin to flow. Grieving over the fact that we didn't allow Jesus to shine. Grieving for the fact that we didn't love lost people or even try to reach anybody. Or, or we are the light in a dark world. And if we turn to a dark to darkness, listen to me. If the church turns dark, what hope is there for the world? Is anybody hearing me? If the church in America turns dark, what hope is there for America? So before our nation can have revival, how I many know the church needs to be renewed and restored? Judgment starts in the house of the Lord. If the church lights up, then we might be able to shine in a dark world. And finally, I know you don't believe it. It's only 1105. But profess, profess allegiance to Jesus again. Now, we are patriotic. How many are patriotic here? How many love America? God bless America. But we need to profess allegiance to Jesus. Before I ever salute a flag, I salute my Lord and Savior. Come on now. We have Christians who believe, who have more passion over American patriotism than they do over Jesus. You burn the flag, they won't get uproar. But you could just stick gum all over the church and throw coffee in the pew and leave papers all over the place. Have no respect for the house of God. Somebody help me preach. Desecrating God's house. Don't even show up. Don't have to. Don't need to. How I many know if we would, if we would get back to where we started from, we'd have a respect for God and the things of God. Repenting. 
seriously, though, and professing, restoring our joy. Revive us again, O Lord. Restore our joy so we can sing again, so we can have peace again, and do the works that we did at first. That's the last point. Professing, hey, God, I'm with you, and I'm going back to what I did to make our relationship work. Remember when you were dating? You would just send flowers to that sweet girl. And she would call you every 15 minutes. Honey, I'm at lunch, but I got to go back to work. I know, but I just love you. I love you. I love you. Right? You remember that? And you talked all the time. Couldn't wait to get off work and talk. Call him before work on lunch hour. I just missed you. I missed you. I've been gone five minutes. I called Melissa yesterday. I said, baby. She said, who's this? I said, what do you mean? This is Ronnie. She said, Ronnie, who? She was teasing me. I thought, Lord, have mercy. And so I called her back. I said, hello, baby. This is Javier. Oh, <laughs> uh, I fixed her up. I fixed her up. So we, <laughs> so we asked God to do it again. But, but we have a responsibility to live for God again. So once you repent, how I many know you got to get up and walk in the Lord, walk in the faith. Live it out. It's not just talk. Talk is cheap. You got to walk the walk. And so we have a responsibility. A lady asked Billy Sunday, why do you keep having revivals when it doesn't last? To which Billy Sunday replied, why do you keep taking a bath? Why do you keep taking a bath? I take a shower or a bath because I know I need to. At least once a week. If you if you rode in the van that the kids rode in after powwow, you would understand what I'm saying. <laughs> and so revival comes when we fall in love with Jesus. How many say amen to that? Billy Graham said, when revival comes, I expect to see two things, which we're not seeing yet in America, at least. Number one, a new sense of the holiness of our God. A new sense of the holiness of our God. From the church. The church needs to get a new sense of the holiness of our God. How many know our God is holy? Never changing, majestic, awesome, powerful, all knowing and all doing. How many know our God is awesome? And when the church gets a new sense of that, how many know we can have, be on our way to a renewal? And the second thing was a new sense of sinfulness of sin, the, the depravity of man, how far man can go. Say, Pastor Ron, it's pretty bad out there in America right now. How many know it can get worse? And it is. And it is. But if we don't repent as a nation, I don't expect the nation to repent until the church repents. If we don't repent as a nation, wow. You can see that the effectiveness, the lampstand, the light, the influence has really already been seemingly set aside. We're not careful the Lord take his protection off of America and we will have some issues, big issues. And how many know there's people waiting to give it to us? Russia, China. Believe what you want to believe. Read the end of the book. Inevitably, there's two things that are going to happen. Two last days prophecies. Number one, a great falling away. It's happening. It's happening. You can put your head in the sand and wish it wasn't, but it's happening. It's happening because God said it would. Number two, a great outpouring. How many know that's going to happen too? Whether we want it or not, how many know God's going to send a revival in the land? Yes, he is. From north, south, east, and the west, we're going to have a revival. 
And I want to be a part of that, don't you? So then you have to pay attention. You have to remember. You have to remember. You have to really sincerely express sorrow. And then, and then you have to, you have to prepare your heart by professing your allegiance to Jesus. Offering that, uh, that, that pledge to him that you belong to him and then doing the works that you did at first. And the joy of your salvation will return. How many has ever, uh, waned away, slipped away from God? And renewed your commitment and found the joy again. Anybody? Anybody here over the years? It's a wonderful experience to be right there. It's like you never left. You know, when I went home this week, I met people. It was like I never left them. It was like we never missed a beat, just caught up real quick. Why? Because in our heart, the relationship was there. Distance didn't change the love. Are y'all hearing me? You love them in your heart. It should follow suit in your feet. I said, <laughs> if you have salvation in your heart, somebody needs to notify your face. I mean, it's look like some people ate a bunch of sour lemons. You can't do that. There's no rejoicing. There's, if there's no rejoicing, there's no influence. There's no light. There's no impact. Right? So, so rejoicing will return. Passion will return. Worship and prayer and singing will return. Right? A compassion for the loss and compassion for the hurting that will return. All of those things will return when we, when we realize that we need the Lord. And through those who prepare their hearts, the, those who are ready will prepare their minds, prepare their hearts. They will hate sin. They will love God. They will love people. They will restore what the enemy has taken. So remember what happened when Samuel was preparing God's people for revival during Ezra's day. Man, Israel was, they, they'd gotten so far away from God and sin. And the, and the consequences of that sin, they were sick of the, of paying the price for the way they lived, worshiping idols of Baal and all that. And so, and so Samuel the prophet was there when they began to cry out and lament after the Lord. And they got to a place where they realized their only hope was in a move of God in their midst. If God don't show up, I mean, we're already there, church. In America, we're already there. The only hope for our nation is a move of the Spirit in the church, the people of God, to rise up and shine like they're called to do. And so Samuel instructed them to prepare your hearts for the Lord and serve him only, 1 Samuel 7 and 3. Then Samuel said to the house of Israel, if you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, remove the foreign gods and the astra pagan goddesses. From among you and direct your hearts to the Lord and serve him only. And he will rescue you from the hand of the Philistines. I mean, no, that's the truth of the word of the Lord today. So here's some questions as we close out. Do you believe it's necessary to prepare for revival? Just in your own heart, personally and corporately. Do you think it's even necessary? Do you think it's possible? Do you see where we're living in last days, in desperate times? Are, are there things in your life that, that don't belong there that you're willing to get rid of, just eradicate? Get it out of my life, Lord. Help me to be back where I belong with you. So there it is. Simple. Miss Chrissy's going to come back, and I'm finished at 11.15. Now, that's another miracle to happen today already. I want you to please tell your family and your friends around you, those that you know, kids that you had invited, that we're going to reschedule our um, our VBS. 
We will call people on the phone. If you're here and you get a call, don't worry about it. Just say, hey, uh, good to hear from you again. I just heard from you, but I see you again. We'll try to call everybody. If there's new families that you can think of that maybe we don't have their numbers, but you influence them, go ahead and call them. Let them know. We don't want anybody to come. But if they do come, on the sign, all the doors, they will see postponed our VBS. And online, if you're watching, VBS has been postponed tonight. We'll take it up another time because a lot of work went into it. The kids are valuable. I said the kids are valuable. I said the kids. Come on, give God praise for the children. The kids are valuable enough to save this day for them. But I'm not naive to believe that God couldn't do something amongst us this morning. Maybe something I said today has touched your heart. May the Holy Spirit introduce us to more of God. May the Holy Spirit let us stay the same inside or even closer. Humble us to go back to God. Deposit a guarantee of more to come in our spirit. Give us a change of mind. It usually requires a strong incentive. It requires a strong incentive. John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus. He said, hey, repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. They said kingdom of heaven instead of kingdom of God because they knew the Jews didn't like to name the name of God. So they just talked about the place where God was, kingdom of heaven. Same thing that uh, Jesus preached, the kingdom of repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Right? It's the same thing we're, we're saying today. It's too close to the end for us to be playing church. It's too close to the end for us to be compromising and living a life, uh, a half-hearted commitment to God. So when we're proud and selfish, our hearts are like mountains. They need to be lowered. And valleys need to be elevated. Why? Because the king is coming. How I many know when the king comes, they would hey, hey they would set a word to go and lower every obstacle in its path. Any potholes need to be filled, flatten it out, make straight the path. John the Baptist said, "I'm like Elijah. Make straight the paths of the Lord. Make straight the way of the Lord. Let's get everybody ready for the Lord is coming." Does anybody here believe Jesus is coming? Let's get rid of anything. Fill the potholes. Fill up the valleys. Lower the mountains. Fix the bridges. Repair the way for the Lord. He's coming. So that's my job as a pastor leader. Is to help you prepare not only your personal heart. But the church to be ready for when the Lord, the King of glory comes. Anybody anticipate his coming? Come on at home. Are you expecting the Lord to come? Ready or not? Here he comes. Would you stand with me today? I want you to be led by the Holy Spirit this morning. We're not going to come to the altar. We're not going to try to do all of that today. But maybe right where you are, if you lift your hand to the Lord. And let's just do some housekeeping, some house cleaning. Lord, if there's anything in me, create in me a clean heart, oh God. Spirit of the living God, talk to me. Help me to pay attention to your voice. Help me to hear your voice today. Help me to set some things right The time is now. Help us to experience your glory. We don't want to just know you with knowledge. We want to know you and experience. Our relationship needs to be up to date. Repentance is a complete change, of course, of mind, of heart. If there's anything we need to do, help us to do it. Give us a relationship with the Holy Spirit who will talk to us about you, O Lord. Perfect us and help us, mature us, humble us. 
in our human spirit, we don't have the final authority. We don't have what we need, God. We need your spirit. Illuminate the word of God for us. Not to know general things, but let the spirit speak to us to know specific things in our life that need to be changed. We need more of you, oh God. Prepare us for something great. Help us to be ready. I know you're waiting and ready for us, God. We know you're here. But often we don't change anything. We can't be satisfied with business as usual. Lord, if you're landing the airplane of the Holy Spirit, would you land it right here? In the name of Jesus. Clear the runway. Come on, clear the runway. We're going to sing this to the Lord.